We began with the territory of Yeshua, which is the story of the preparation for the crossing of into Eretz Yisrael. So we're holding by Pasuk Hay. Perek Gimel, Pasuk Hay. By Yemi Yeshua, Yeshua tells the people, Hiskadoshu. Hiskadoshu literally means prepare yourselves. Hashem is going to do a miracle tomorrow. And therefore, his Kadosh either means to prepare or to elevate themselves so that they're ready to deserve the nice Hashem wants to do for them. So this is what Hashem tells the people. Then, the ones who are carrying the Aaron, they must always carry the Aaron in front of everyone. So now we, the situation is they're standing just before the banks of the Yarden and they're all prepared to cross the Yarden. The people don't yet know how they're going to cross the Yarden. So, Today I'm going to make you great. In the eyes of all of Christ, they'll see that just like Hashem was with Moshe, and therefore he gave Moshe the ability to do things which were beyond the normal. So Hashem will do the same thing for Yosher. What does it mean, Hashkatshu? Either we said, either prepare yourself, or Hashkatshu, elevate yourself, make yourself more Kaddish. That you're willing, you're ready to get in this. Rashi says it's a lashon of Hazmana, preparation, and the Mitzvah of it is a lashon of Kedusha. Now there's a question over here. Let's see one more Pasuk, and you'll see. So the base part of our design, you must instruct the Kohanim who are holding the iron to say, When you get to the edge of the waters of the Yarden, then you must stand still by the water of the Yarden. You know, don't cross the Yarden, just stand at the edge of the Yarden. Now there's a question over here, and that is, it seems to be the wrong order. First, in Pasuk Hay, Yeshua tells the people that Hashem is going to do a miracle for you tomorrow. And prepare for it. And he tells the Kohanim to go in front of everyone. And then after that, in Pasuk Zayin, Hashem tells Yeshua, I'm going to do a nice tomorrow. Yeshua seems to have told Kaisal that before Hashem told him. And same thing, the instruction of Hashem to let the Kohanim go in front of the people and wait by the Yaritan, Yeshua seems to have preempted that also. He told already in Pasuk Vav, he told the Kohanim to go in front of everyone else. What's the what's Hashem adding? Right. What's Hashem adding, telling Yeshua that he's going to do nice when Yeshua's already understood that's what's going to happen? That's our first question. There's a second question. And that's the next pasuk. Yeshua tells the Jewish people, Come close. And listen to what Hashem has to say. Where does he want them to come close to? They were all standing behind, they were all standing together. They were all prepared to travel, so all next to each other. So where does he want them to come close to? So the Midrash says over here, the Midrash says that Yeshua gathered all the people between the two badim, between the two poles of the Aron HaKodesh. Rashi brings it over here as well. That Yeshua made everybody fit somehow between the two badim of the Aron, which the Midrash says there. Is one of the times where we see the iron didn't take space because the size of the width of the iron, the amount of space between the two poles of the iron, was one and a half amos. And it's not very much space. And to, to somehow 
make the whole Klai Yisrael fit within that space doesn't seem to be physically possible. It's obviously miraculous. But somehow the Aaron seemed to have encompassed the whole of Klai Yisrael. Okay, we can accept that. The number of times by the Aaron Akkadish we find Nisim happen. But the question here, and this is the important question, and that is Nisim don't happen for nothing. Nisim don't happen for nothing. When a nase happens, there's a reason for a nase. It's not just something to show that you can do miraculous things. So what was the point of this nase? In other words, if Yeshua wants to give Klai Yisrael a message, give them a lesson, give them instructions before they cross the Yadon, so they're all standing in front of him. He can talk, they'll listen to him. Why, what's the point of trying to show that they're all fitting inside the, in between the two sticks of the Aaron HaKodesh? What's the, what's it meant to represent? What's it meant to symbolize? And why was that the necessary thing to do now, just before they cross the Yadon? Right, so there's a side over here which we need to learn. And uh, we'll see that this applies in a number of cases to Klai Yisrael when they come into Eretz Yisrael. And the principle is like this. We already saw towards the end of the Torah that there's a principle called Arvus. The principle of Arvus means that Klai Yisrael didn't just take responsibility for themselves, they also took responsibility for each other. In other words, not everyone is holding their personal accountability to Hashem, that they're responsible to keep the Torah. There's a certain shared responsibility also, that we're responsible for each other to keep the Torah. All Klai Yisrael are responsible for each other. Right? On that, the Pasuk says, What's revealed, what's possible to know, is the responsibility of us and our children. Now, we're responsible for each other to make sure that all other yidn keep the Torah as well. And now the question is, when did this principle of Arabus come into effect? The Gemara says in Saita that the principle of Arabus came into effect when Klaishal crossed the Yarden. When Klaishal crossed the when they were still in the Ivory Yarden, when they were still in the desert, so each person was only responsible for himself. When they came into Eretz Yisrael, then the Hanhaga changed, and now it was that everybody was responsible for each other. And that's how we see that when, in a few fracking time we're going to learn the story of Achon. Achon was the one who stole from the Chayrim of Yerichoy. But Yeshua made a person who ever steals from the spoils the booty of Yerichoy, and Achon was the person who did that. And as a result, the whole Kaishal suffered. And when Yeshua finds out who the culprit is, and he calls him in, and Achon tells him yes, not just now, I also stole from the Chayim that Moshe Rabbeinu made. What? The Chayim that Moshe Rabbeinu made. When Moshe Rabbeinu fought the king of Arad, he also made a Chayim that called the place Chorma. Also, no one was allowed to take the spoils. And Achon had already stolen from the spoils there. And the question is, but nothing happened. We don't find that in the time of Moshe Rabbeinu, when Achon stole from the first Chayim, that there was any repercussions. No one suffered for it. And here... When Achim steals the second time from the Chayim of Yerichoy, the whole Klai Yisrael loses the battle. And the answer is because now Arvus came into effect. The first time there wasn't yet the din of Arvus. And therefore everyone was responsible for themselves. So Klai Yisrael wasn't responsible for Achim's Avera, he was responsible for himself. But now when they were in Eretz Yisrael, and therefore now the, me- the mechanism of Arvus started to take effect, so one person sins and everyone's responsible. That's the side of Arvus. The Gemara makes it more graphic than that. The Gemara in Saita says that when they made a bris in Arvis Moab, here, the last of the stops in Arvis Moab, before they crossed the Eretz Yisrael, it says, Malami, that every Jew made a covenant with Hashem 603,350 times. Why? Because there were 603,350 Jews, men between 20 and 16 in the final count, which means everybody was responsible that the other 603,349 Jews would keep the Torah too. And therefore, it was a, mul- a, a multiplied amount of responsibility everybody has 
that they're responsible for each other. Arvus has halachic ramifications also, as we know. The fact that we can help somebody else make a mitzvah, even if we've done it ourselves, is because of this principle of Arvus. If I've already made a Kiddush on Yel Shabbos, and I want to make a Kiddush for somebody else who hasn't heard Kaddish, how can I say the Baracha again? It's because of the rule of Arvus. So we have this concept that clients are all responsible for each other, and therefore I have a, so to speak, a personal responsibility to make sure other Yidin keep the Torah as well. Now, that's what Yeshua wanted to teach everyone. That's what Yeshua wanted to teach everyone. We're now starting a new process. It's not like everybody is individually responsible to keep the Torah. There's now a shared responsibility. And how do Yeshua show that to them? By bringing the whole Kodesh together between the sticks of the Aaron Kodesh. As we know, the idea of holding up the Aaron Kodesh is the idea of supporting the Torah. The Aaron Kodesh is always a representation of the Torah. And therefore, the ones the kind of holding the Aaron are the ones who bats them holding the Torah. Right. And now bringing the whole Kodesh in between the body Aaron it's showing Kaisal collectively now this is all your job. You're all responsible to, to hold the Aaron. And that's what was the necessity for this nace to bring everybody, so to speak, between the body Aaron. They should all feel we holders of the Aaron. They should all feel that we have a part in supporting the Torah and maintaining the Torah because that's what's necessary before they go into Eretz Yisrael. And that was the necessity for this nace specifically over here. That uh, he told them all guys should have to come close and stand between the body Aaron. And now this, if you understand this principle, this answers the other question we asked also. And that is, Yeshua knew that they were going to go into Israel in a miraculous fashion. Right? He knew that the, the, the Yared Napisi was overflowing its banks. There was no way to cross everybody through a raging river in a normal way. Especially if you're talking about women and children and all the possessions. So Yeshua knew there was going to be a nest. Except, there was a difference of understanding what Yeshua thought was going to happen and what Hashem told him was going to happen. And that is, Yeshua thought that the nest was going to happen in the source of Klai Yisrael. Since Klai Yisrael have now are going to all be arriving for each other and they have now accepted this added dimension of responsibility that each one is going to make sure that everyone else keeps the Torah, so that's a tremendous chus. And in, in this Koyach, Hashem is going to split the waters for them. And therefore, it's not Peschus him, it's Peschus them. So Yeshua sure tells the people, he Kadoshim, prepare yourselves because Hashem is going to do a nice for you. Hashem is doing this nice for you, Klai Yisrael. You deserve it. And Hashem's answer to Yeshua is, it's not, you should know. I'm doing this for you, Yeshua. I'm doing this because I'm going to make you great in the eyes of Klai Yisrael. Not because that Yeshua was witness to a nice like they were witness to a nice. That doesn't make Yeshua look great. That makes the fact that they all deserve it together. The nice is going to be that it's the key of the Yeshua. And the Klai Yisrael would notice that this is Yeshua's chus that the nice is happening. And they said, when Yeshua, that's what Hashem says to him. That's where they'll see that just like I was with Moshe, I was with you. And that therefore the nace is specifically meant to show Yeshua's, to show that this was in the schus of Yeshua. That's what Hashem came to add to him. That's what Hashem came to add to him, that he didn't know already that this kudos would be done as a way of showing Yeshua's prominence. The same thing, very similar, we find in Matan Torah. Moshe also knew that Hashem was going to give the Torah, and that the way Hashem was going to give the Torah would be miraculous. That was the point of it. But uh, the whole, so to speak, demonstration of Hashem's power at Har Sinai, whether it was with the, ha- the mountain shaking, whether it was the lightning and thunder, the tremendous fire, whatever it was that made the spectacle of Har Sinai something which was so awe-inspiring, was meant to be miraculous. But what Hashem tells Moshe is the same thing. He says, Why? <laughs> 
that the point of Matan Torah wasn't just that Klai Yisrael deserved, so to, speak, so to speak, the miraculous revelation. It was that Moshe deserved it. Hashem says to Moshe, I'm going to, everyone's going to see how I speak to you, and as a result, they'll believe in you. Right? So in the Chanami, Moshe knew there was going to be a nice. But he thought it was Bishchus Klai Yisrael, and the same thing happened there. Hashem told him, this is Bishchus you. It's Bishchus you that they should recognize that you're the one who speaks to Hashem. So we have a similar understanding over here. And that's what Hashem comes to tell Yeshua. Not what you thought Yeshua, it's not for them. I'm doing this with that they should recognize that you're the one that has chosen to be the leader. Okay, so that's the... What are we spoken about tonight? Two things. Yeshua tells the people to prepare, they get ready for a nace, which Hashem tells Yeshua is going to be in his chus. And then Yeshua brings them to the ill between the body iron, and the idea that's meant to symbolize to them, you are all now responsible to maintain the Torah. You're all now responsible to be the ones holding the iron of because from now there's stance this principle of Arvus. The clients are responsible for each other. Why Dafka now? Okay, why Dafka now? Why did in the Torah? When the Torah says that this is going to be the principle of Arvus, why did it have to start only when they came into Eretz Yisrael? Why didn't why didn't this Hanhaga start before that as well? Okay, so you're going to see that. Uh, why do you need to be Arvus at all? Yeah. Okay. Why Why Bichlal and why Dafka now? Okay, so the the. The first look at it is like this. The, when they came to Eretz Yisrael, so the simple chat, the deep chat also, the simple chat first, is that, as we're going to see at the end of Sefer Yeshua, that the reason we need Arvus more is because since Kleishel won't all be in one location, like they were in the Midbar. Kleishel will be scattered all over the, all over the Eretz Yisrael. They're going to each take an Achila all over the country. Right? So then, automatically, it's going to be a, le- it's a simple chat. There's less of central authority. Everyone's in one place where... So to speak, it's, it's under the, whoever the leader is is controlling what's going on. And therefore, the way to make sure that everybody else is keeping the Torah is the principle of Arvus. That wherever it's going to be, Klaus are responsible for each other. I'm referring to the story at the end of Yeshua, when God and Bnei Reuven go back, they're going to get into the Gosh there and see that they build themselves in Mizbech and over Ayyadeh. And Klaus will send an expeditionary force to go and, what are you doing? Why are you building another Mizbech? Right? And the understanding was that Klaus are responsible for the different Shevets to... That's the... Right. So that therefore, especially when it's Klaishos not in one place, so you need the principle of Arvus to right. That's the first. One. The deeper reason, the deeper reason is that, and this is what you're going to see in other places, that Eretz Yisrael is the Nachala of Klai Yisrael collectively, not one person. And therefore, Eretz Yisrael needs the collective schus. The collective schus is Arvus. That it's not one person's schus that keeps the Torah, it's the schus of everybody making sure everyone keeps the Torah. And therefore, as opposed to being a one person's, like here, he has a right, no one has one right to Eretz Yisrael. It's given to Klai Yisrael together. I mean, this actually has halachic implications also. That uh, we'll see the dinner of Yovel and the other dinner that Yeshua made when he split up the land, that it wasn't a, everyone has an individualized right to Eretz Yisrael, it's a collective right to have as Klai Yisrael. And he made it, it's something which you have to deserve as Klai Yisrael. And therefore, in order to be deserving as a unit of Klai Yisrael, what makes that a unit which is judged as a unit and therefore found deserving as a unit is that there's common responsibility. If you're going to be judged as a community and therefore together we have to deserve Eretz Yisrael, then we all have responsibility to make sure we deserve it. And if one person is, good, is a good boy but everybody else is bad, we're not going to hold on right. to Eretz Yisrael. Right. In other words, one side you can't hold on to Eretz Yisrael. Right? And it has to be a joint... It has to be a joint the schus that Klai Yisrael has to deliver to Israel, and the way to make it a joint schus is that you share responsibility. I just want to finish on that statement with one beautiful idea. 
And that is, Arabs always look at it as having a certain negative side, that we're responsible for each other. But there's another positive side also. And that is, we share this chosim of each other. Right? Just like Klaish share responsibility for what they do, what everyone else does wrong, it works both ways. Klaish share the merit of what everybody does right. And therefore, we're talking about the ability of Klaish to do mitzvahs, right, and to do, and does the, the tzaddikim of Klaish that's also a shared schus. It's part of, once there's a shared responsibility, it becomes a shared privilege too. And therefore, like the, uh, the sorry, the Derech Hashem explains in Shara Revi of Derech Hashem, there's a principle of that when we daven for something, it's b'schus, everybody davening. The Muslim of Tfilah, the Muslim of whole Klai Yisrael davening, whatever it's going to be, is we share the other people's schus. We, we, we're working as a team. We're working as part of a bigger whole. And we made it, the schus of everyone works for everybody else. That also becomes a part of Arbus. It also becomes a part of Arbus. Arbus doesn't just mean the negative, that we're responsible for everyone's mistakes. Arbus also becomes the positive, which means we get to join everybody else's schusim also. And therefore, we have both of these sides. That's what's, that's what's Unites Klai Yisrael into, so to speak, a, a united schus. And for Yisrael, that's what's necessary. It was given not to one person, it was given to Abraham, Yisrael, and Yaakov and their descendants. And when it has to be all the descendants together, that they have that schus. And that's why in certain days, Yisrael, we're going to finish with this, like the Yovel, right, which is Nogayat for the Din, it has to be Kol Yishvei Olev. It has to, it's only Nogayat when the whole, all Klai Yisrael is there. If not all Klai Yisrael is there, what's the Din of Yovel? The Din of Yovel is the land goes back to the original owners. But the Shemitah doesn't do that. Shemitah just has to leave the land alone. You can't pick the fruit. Yovel, the dinner, everything goes back to the original owner. What's the condition for Yovel to work? The whole Kaisal has to be there. The idea of everything going back to its original owner has, is part of the cheshman of whole Kaisal. It's a cloud Yisrael in totality who deserves it to show. And when everybody's here, everyone gets back their land. If not everybody's here, then that din doesn't apply. Because there's no Shemitah to show anymore. The Shemitah to show is only when the whole Kaisal is there as a unit. That's the principle of Arab.